this time you need to go in your kitchen and get your unleavened bread and your Welch's grape juice. Say, why unleavened bread? I want to explain the, uh, uh, the uh, meaning behind the unleavened bread. Leaven was described by Jesus as, remember, what is leaven? Leaven is yeast. It makes your dough, your bread, rise. Jesus described leaven as sin, and sin it creeps through and seeps through other areas of your life and, and, and destroys you. So leaven, it, it, it doesn't stay still. It moves all through the bread, obviously, when you're baking with that. And what happened during the Exodus, the, uh, in the middle of the night, God was going to come over there, pass over the death angel, and anyone who did not have the blood on their doorpost and on their mantles, on their lentils, uh, the death of the firstborn, that's what we call the Passover. So in the middle of the night, when Pharaoh found out that his son had died, that's when he told the Hebrews there in Goshen in Egypt, get out. They, their bread didn't even have time to rise. They had to go. So that's what happened. So they just had to gather up their stuff and, and, and get out of town. They had their dough, but their dough did not have leaven in it. So the Lord's Supper is a time that we remember and reflect on that Passover event with that. Um, so you say, Daniel, what would be unleavened bread today? Tortillas actually do not have leaven in them. So if, you have, if you're at your house, you can grab a tortilla or a lot of times flatbread. If you maybe go, go somewhere, that, that would be also not all flatbread, but some flatbread doesn't have leaven in it. So go ahead and grab your bread. If you don't have... Um, unleavened bread. You can grab a cracker or a piece of bread and grab your grape juice. Now, David Dell here on the piano, he told me, he says, Daniel, some of those folks at their house, they might not be using grape juice this morning. They could be using the real fruit of the vine. So, but anyway, we can't see what you're doing right now. So uh, with that, so I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Then we are going to observe for first time ever in my life and online Lord's Supper. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer here. And our prayer, we're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for our state. We're going to pray for those that are battling this pandemic. Um, it's, it's, it's challenging here as Christians to go through this stop, start, inconsistency, don't know what's going on with Sunday school, Wednesday night. Uh, fear is just um, a lot of uncertainty. And I believe us as believers... This is our time that we need to be calling and crying out to God. Our dependence is upon Him. He's the one who keeps us safe. He's the one who helps heal us. And we want to trust in Him. And uh, we, we do not live in fear. We live in trust of the Lord. So let's bow our heads right now. And we're going to pray for our state, our nation, and for also vaccine. And for those that are hurting. God, we come to you this Sunday before Thanksgiving, as we've been told by many folks not to gather for Thanksgiving and to use extreme caution and to wear masks and just be careful. Lord, we realize there's a lot of sick folks out there who are um, suffering and who have uh, COVID-19. Lord, we pray for a vaccine. We pray that we will not be part of the spread of this virus. Lord, we pray for a healing for those who are hurting and suffering from the virus. It is real and it's deadly. 
God, I pray for your hand to be upon us and that you will, this morning and these next few Sundays, as many churches have gone back to online worship, Lord, we will have the attitude of thanksgiving that we'll at least, we can at least worship online if we can't meet in person to prevent the spread. God, I pray for the vaccine to come very soon. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our church's life. Lord, how many ways we've done so well at wearing our mask and, and, and staying safe. Lord, I pray for this coming week is most importantly, we think about Thanksgiving and we are thankful because you died on a cross and we have eternal life in you. Lord, thank you for saving us. Thank you for sending our son. Thank you for us to build calm amidst this pandemic and have online Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to start here with the bread. Go ahead and pull your, your bread there out. During the time of the Lord's Supper, remember this was Jesus' final meal. And he picked up the bread and he he picked up the bread and he explained to his disciples that this bread represents his body. And his body was broken and it died on the cross for us. So when we partake, when we participate in the Lord's Supper, we are remembering Jesus's death. He gave himself for us. Jesus is God. So his bread was broken. So he picked up that piece of bread. There's the last supper there on that Thursday evening with his disciples. He picked it up and he prayed over it. So let's pray over our bread. God, we know this bread represents your body. Lord, it represents what you gave for us. Lord, as we have folks all over the place, all over the city, maybe all over the state, participating in an online Lord's Supper. Lord, we identify with you wherever we're at because we are believers. We have been broken just as you have been broken. Lord, your body saves us. You died. God, thank you. Here we are before Thanksgiving, celebrating the online Lord's Supper. Jesus name we pray. Amen. After that, Jesus then picked up the cup. The cup here, it represents Jesus's blood on the cross. Jesus shed his blood on the cross for you. For me. That blood, we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. He picked up the cup in the presence of his disciples and he prayed over the cup. And the cup represents his blood being spilt on the altar so you can be forgiven of your sins. So pick up your cup and we're going to pray over our cup. Lord, we thank you for this cup. We know this cup does not represent what's inside it, it represents your blood. Your blood on the cross. You died. You paid the price. You gave your life so we can have life. Lord, there is life in blood. And 
Lord, we remember that. We thank you for this cup. We never forget the cost that was paid. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Supper is a sacred time. It's a time we reflect on what it means to identify. When you first get saved, you receive believer's baptism. We're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In many ways, that's the initiation into the Christian faith. Lord's Supper is what we do on a regular basis to remember the cost that was paid. I was here at our church. That was our first Lord's Supper since January. How the world has changed since January, for sure, with that. And we planned that about three or four weeks ago in staff meeting. We, we ne ne never imagined that it would have been an online Lord's Supper when we first planned that with that. But we, we make the most and we have the best attitude of what has been given to us. Thank you for participating in our online Lord's Supper. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. You're gathered around the computer, gather around your TV at home, pull your Bibles out to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is the second part of a sermon series that we're talking about living to live generously. Um, this is our Sunday here before Thanksgiving. We're going to see what God's Word tells us really about our attitude in regards to giving. And the main point we see here is that Christian stewardship, when we say stewardship, what that means is our giving. Christian stewardship, it flows from a heart of our love from God rather than a sense of duty. We, don't, we should not have an attitude as, I gave, I support. I contributed out of duty. God cares about our attitude. And he's going to really address that in these verses we're going to read here. Generous giving is God's nature. And I, I believe what the message that Lord is going to speak to us tonight, this morning is he's going to let us know that you might put something in the offering plate or contribute online. But God cares about your motives, about why you're doing that. Let me give you a perfect example. This past Wednesday, I pick up uh, what, three or four teenagers on Wednesday night. Pick up so many with our, our children's friends. I have to come drop them off. They have to go get some more. And if you remember panhandling here in our, our city, uh, is sometimes pretty bad at some of the more uh, busy intersections. And our uh, mayor once told us not to contribute to panhandlers because that actually encourages that. There's other ways possibly for them to get help and so that maybe folks don't make a career out of panhandling. Well, I was in the car this past Wednesday and one of the guys made a comment. He said, um, should I roll my window down and we, we give him a, a few dollars? And my immediate reaction, guys, and this is what's frightening about it. I didn't even think about it. Oh, the mayor, right away, I, I quote, the mayor has told us, you know, we're not to contribute to panhandlers. I mean, bam, right off the bat. It was almost like it was a rehearsed answer. 
I knew my answer. It's like my heart was so hardened because I've seen, I know you've seen them too, every major intersection, when you're at the busy time of the day, there's going to be folks there holding a sign, asking for stuff. And yes, there could be some truth to people taking advantage of others by panhandling. And who knows, it might be a majority of folks. But I think right after I said that, I thought, gosh, what a hardened answer. Like, I didn't even have to think about it. It was like I had a rehearsed answer. And the problem with that is a hardened heart can creep easily in to not just panhandling. It can be every area of your giving. When you see a need, the first thing you think of is they don't use their money wisely. That's a crook. Why would I support that mission or organization or church? I don't even like them. And you all of a sudden start thinking and listening mentally in your mind every reason not to give. And it's almost like you're telling and convincing yourself, here's why I cannot support you or support this organization. And the Bible warns us about having a heart against generosity. Jesus was generous. I thought about bringing a, a pitcher and, and pouring it over in a cup. But I, did, I didn't want to do that because we'd have a giant mess up here on the stage. But we're about to read these scriptures. And this was what it would be like. I'm not going to pour out my propel. But if I had a cup right here, you have a, you have a pitcher. And you just pour it. And it overflows the cup. But the pitcher never runs out. That is God's generosity. That is His attitude of giving towards us. It's a life of overflow. It's one that never runs out. So we're actually, we're going to look at actually two different scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. And then in a little bit, we're going to turn over to the most famous psalm of all. And that's Psalm 23, verse 5. So those, that's where you want to be in your Bible. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Look, look what God's word says right here. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Now, right there, Bible is using agricultural terms to say if you want a great harvest in your life, if you want to be fruitful in your spiritual life, if you want to be a blessing to others, you have to sow the seed. If we want to see folks saved here at Broadway Baptist Church, if you want to invite your folks, your friends to worship, you share this broadcast. You invite them to come. They should know where you stand spiritually. That's called sowing the seed. Our life should be constantly sowing. We're always inviting folks to church. We're always passing out invitations. We're always extending an invitation to Sunday school and ways to connect. If you do that, you sow the seed, you will reap a harvest. 
One of the reasons maybe folks don't get saved, you don't have a great harvest, is you're not practicing evangelism. You're not out there sowing the seeds. God wants our life. to He wants the life of this church to be constantly sowing, 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 scattering out there. And he uses this agricultural language to also uh, communicate about money and finances for us, about what it means to be generous. We should not be stingy. God very clearly says, you should be one who is sowing generously. Not a little bit. Remember, God is going to tell us, we do not take anything with us. Our lives should be one that we just have given. By the time we pass away, we've given away everything we can. Because we, we can't bring in anything with us. Could you imagine how great it would be passing away, stepping into the presence of Jesus, empty handed. He said, Lord, I, just, I gave away everything you gave me. I'm coming to you with nothing because I know I can bring nothing with me. I bring my relationship with the Lord. Verse 7, look what it says here. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion. You should give. God desires that you give. You have pre-decided. You get with your spouse. You get with your family. And you all make a decision of what and how you want to give. What will this Thanksgiving and Christmas season? How will you be a blessing? How will you contribute? What will you do to impact others? And he says that it should, you should pray about it and decide in your heart. And he says, look at this. This is so important. The latter part of verse 7. For God loves a cheerful giver. God wants your giving to be one that you gave not expecting to get something. You're not thinking, okay, am I going to get a thank you card in a few days from this? Are they going to do something in return for me? You know, we live in such a business and political culture that you pretty much do stuff today expecting, I, I'm doing this because I want something in return. That you're going you're gonna to help me out because I have helped you. And God is saying, no, your giving is going to be different. I'm looking at your attitude. Jesus Christ died for people on the cross who mocked him, who will reject him, who wanted nothing to do with what he was doing. And Christ is calling us to have that same attitude. God cares about your attitude. It's wrong to start thinking about every reason not to give. You should be looking for possibilities to give. Verse 8, look what it says here. And God is able, we're going to come back and talk about this verse. To make every grace overflow to you. That's that picture that never, it's like a waiter who comes to give you a refill. Back when you used to be able to go to a restaurant and eat. And the waiter just pours and pours and it's just falling, it's spilling all over the table, onto the floor, in your lap. And you're thinking, this guy's not getting a tip. But in God's case, the, the, the pitcher never runs out. It just keeps coming. 
This is a true story. Um, back when I was in, the, uh, in school, college, we had a, a kind of a single adult Sunday school class. It was like I just graduated from college and, and school, grad school, seminary. And we had this gentleman who, who came out. We would always go out to these restaurants. I don't even know if they're still here. It's called Ruby Tuesdays. And I don't think there's one here in Lexington. If there was, maybe went out of business. Um, and this guy would go, and he was a big fellow, and the man was a camel. We would go to a restaurant. He would sit down, and, like, I might get, you know, two or three refills. I am not kidding. He would get 10, 12, 15 refills of tea. And we were there one time. He asked the waitress to bring the cistern and, and to the table. Do you remember that, Sherry? And, and literally, I thought it was a joke. The man was being serious. Who would, could you imagine going to have a cistern of sweet tea? That's what it is, sweet tea in Alabama, just sitting there refilling his tea. I mean, he drank half a cistern. That's the picture we see here of God just overflowing of generosity. It doesn't end. And his picture here is he's saying, I'm going to make every grace overflow to you. There is no end to the Lord's generosity. That was a single adult Sunday's class here. I don't think that guy ever, I don't know if he got married, but anyway, it was been interesting to be on a date with him. So, uh, but uh, keep going here in your Bibles. It goes on to say, God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Paul's quoting Psalm 112 right there. His righteousness, his goodness, it endures forever. It does not end. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Meaning, a generous life produces a life in the attitude of thanksgiving. This coming Thursday, we observe and celebrate Thanksgiving. God will look at your heart and see your spirit. Is he a cheerful giver? Is he one that's Thanksgiving? Or is he going to gripe and complain? I want to tell you, you are going to be tempted this Thursday to complain because a lot of folks are saying we should cancel, shut down, not celebrate Thanksgiving, don't have anybody. And it is, there is no better season than right now than to become a complainer. Think about all the things going around us to complain. Even I myself find creeping into this. Things being closed down. Folks telling others to cancel. Uh, political uh, unrest. A lot of uncertainty about the future. Then folks raising up saying, well, I refuse to take the vaccine. I mean, it, it is just going to... If you could have a period of discord, it's right now. When, in fact, we as believers, we should be thankful that God has saved us, that Jesus loves you, and your life should be overflowing to others. You have the freedom, you have a church, 
is making every effort for you to worship. If it's not in person, you do it online. We're pressing forward with the good news and the gospel of Jesus. He goes on to say, verse 12, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of their surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Have you ever described your salvation that way? God described our salvation as overflowing an indescribable gift, a generosity of sharing with others. Look at the positive words. Giving is presented in Scripture, not out of something we reluctantly do. It's an honor and joy. When you give, you are identifying with the heart of Christ. He gave. He's a giver. People who are known for their generosity, who are supportive, they're they have many friends. People want to be around them. They're not Uncle Scrooge. They have a positive attitude. They're cheerful. There's no strings attached. They give and trust the Lord. You know, I want to go back to verse 8. I have up here on the screen. Christian giving is different. It's different. It's different from secular giving. Many times the secular giving and giving in like a business world, there's always, you're getting something in return. Even um, businesses, they'll even contribute to nonprofit organizations for tax reasons because they know it's, it's helping them. There's a reason for it. But that should not be the reason we give. Even if, even if you don't get tax credit, that's not the reason we give as believers. Here is how our giving is different. Because verse 8 tells us, number one, our giving is different because God is able. You know that? God is able. There's a song about that. The Lord is able. He's able to sustain you. No matter how bad it is in your life, no matter what you're going through, no matter how deep of a pit that you're in, God is able. He can pull you through. His hand, the Bible says, is not too short. He does not come up empty. And we have to have our giving, our finances. It's one we have to trust the Lord. Especially now with times of uncertainty. We do not know what the future holds. My, I'll tell you my fear. You know, our governor's asked us to shut down for, or move online for four Sundays. My concern is this is going to continue. He's going to get extended into... Uh, January, February, I mean, it just depending on a variety of things that there's going to be pressure on churches not to resume. Cases will go up. It's not going to go down. And at Christmas, we might be having a, a Christmas Eve candlelight service. You might be in your house holding your candle. I mean, that's, you know, some of y'all just laugh, but I mean, that's the picture that literally could be for this year, for 
Christmas Eve candlelight service. Is that home? Christmas is a home. But listen, God is telling us He's able. No matter what your unique situation you're in, He meets and supplies every single need. He meets your spiritual needs, your family needs, your your uh, financial needs, health needs. He's here. And part of being a believer is showing our confidence and our trust in the Lord. Number two, not only is God able, Christian giving is an overflow. It's an overflow in our life into other people's life. And I want you to the last scripture here. I want you to flip over in your Bibles to Psalm 23. David shared this best. Psalm 23, verse 5. This is the, the psalm that in many ways it's read during funerals. But it doesn't need to be read during funerals. It's something we need to reflect on uh, frequently in our life. David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Meaning God prepared the table. You anoint my head with oil. Where does anointing come from? It comes from the Lord. You're at home. You need an anointing. You need a touch from the Lord. You want to experience this morning, this Thanksgiving, this Christmas season, the power and the presence of God. Use these next few weeks as you maybe go have to work from home. Maybe things are being closed back down. Use this time to say, Lord, I want a fresh touch from you. Teach me something this Thanksgiving and Christmas season. Lord, help me get in your word. Maybe I was really diving deep into your word in March and April, but I got so busy. You know, busyness keeps us from God. It keeps us from anointing. God is speaking to you and he wants to touch you. But you're so busy, you won't allow it. There's no reason. Don't be a Martha. Jesus came to her house, and Martha was just busy cooking, cleaning, and Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. This Thanksgiving Christmas season, your generosity, your anointing, it comes from who? It comes from the Lord. And he goes on to say, David does. Last section here, 23, verse 5. You anoint my head with oil. What is our response? My cup overflows. And that's the picture that we are so grateful. We're thankful for the Lord. I'm asking you this morning, amidst this unique time of thanksgiving, thinking about how can I be generous this Thanksgiving week. Amidst maybe not seeing folks, how can I be a blessing? How can my cup, and you might think, Daniel, my cup is stuck inside the house, but how can your cup overflow while you're at home? The mailman runs every day except Sunday. You can use that to be a blessing and encourager to someone else. The phone still works. The internet's still on. You send that message. You write that note. You make that call. God is asking you to overflow this, this week.
this Christmas season. God's asking you to become generous. This Thanksgiving, you can live generously. Do you know an or- a church is an organization that is radically different than any other nonprofit organization? Why? Because we have the gospel truth. We have the message that changes our city and our state and our nation, this world's. It changes people's life. Transformational change comes from the Bible we read. And we want to be a church that's a light. We want to be saved. But we also want to continue the ministry. Continue the accountability. Continue being an encourager. Being generous towards others. Even when we might not be able to meet in person. I want you, I'm wrapping this up, and I want you to answer this question. God has overflowed in my life. How can I be the same? Do I, am I a cheerful giver? I'm afraid a lot of us are like I was Wednesday night, headed to church. One of those teenagers says, why don't we give that man a few dollars? And right away, without even thinking... I started quoting. I would probably never in my life quote the mayor on anything, but I'm quoting the mayor, person I might not even agree with, on every reason why we can't give. It was like I had the answer already stuck in my head. I was calloused. I don't want a calloused heart. God, God wants your heart to be a generous heart, to be a soft heart, to help meet the needs, and help be generous during this time towards others. I'm going to pray for you. I want to hear from you. You can make a decision. I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. Fill out our online connection card. Let us know if you want to get saved. Let us know how we can pray for you. And you can make that decision to follow and give your life to Christ. The one who is so generous to you. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you for the overflow you've given in our lives. Lord, this is Thanksgiving week. We have so much to be thankful for. Lord, don't let us be complainers. Rescue and deliver us. Give us the anointing that you provided David. Lord, I want what you gave to David. Lord, if there's anyone here that needs to get saved, I pray they'll pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin. I thank you for saving me. This day on, I'm living for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to hear from you. God bless you. I'm going to invite Chris and the band to come forward. They're going to sing, they're going to lead us in a song.